The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziegler, your premier source for equipping coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally. Visit Ziegler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Welcome to the Ziegler Inspire Podcast. Hi there, this is Blake Lindsay. I want to personally welcome you to Ziegler's Inspire Podcast. We are glad you're here and we hope you come back every week. We will continue to provide motivational, educational information from Zig Ziegler himself or his staff. Today we are going to hear from Brian Flanagan. Brian is Zig's premier sales trainer. We will hear ideas of how companies can create a brand or image and how we create a personal image. Let's hear what Brian has to say. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. All right, the last thing down there, you're picking up the phone and calling someone. Here's the problem with what we do. Whether we're leaving voicemails or not, we've got to give someone a compelling reason to return our phone call. When you give somebody a compelling reason to return your phone call, you've got a chance for them to call back. But if all I'm saying is, hi, my name is Brian Flanagan. I'm with the Zig Ziglar Corporation. We train people. <laughs> call me, <laughs> please. <laughs> We're not going to get a return phone call. You've got to give somebody a compelling reason. What you and your coworkers need to do is sit down and work out sentences, phraseologies of general benefit strategies that people will call you back because there's a value in their calling you back. You're saying, wait a minute, Brian, time out. You're telling me to use scripts. I don't use scripts. If I sat down with you for three minutes and you made 10 phone calls, if I sat down with you for 20 minutes and you made five phone calls, I would determine, in that short period of time, I would determine your script. Because we all have scripts. They're not written down, but our internal scripts take over. We all use some of the same phraseology. You just need to do that in a formal way and be consciously competent of it when you use that to get people to call you back. This is hard. Return phone calls are hard. But in the think process, that's what you need to do. Now, once you've written those out, share them with four or five other your buddies, and then you got the power of five rather than the power of one. Have them share theirs with yours. And that, that makes a great sales meeting. That's a great sales meeting is to write what we call a general benefit strategy of picking up the phone and having somebody return your call more often than not because of what you say in the voicemail you leave. Or when you get them on the phone, give them a compelling reason to stay on the phone with you or to schedule an appointment with you. Now, once you've done that, I'm going to pretend that you're now face-to-face. -face. Let's turn to the next page, and I'm going to, I'm going to pretend that you now are face-to-face -face with that person, and we're into the second stage of the process is relate. 
What has your company done in the time it's been in business? What has your company done to build trust and rapport, to relate with the business community? Help me with that. What's your company done? Good corporate citizen. Deliver on your promises. Provide good services. Provide good services. All right, now, now let's take that back and let's look at this. What interpersonal skills have you done? What interpersonal skills do you use to establish trust and rapport? What are your skills when you meet somebody for the first time? Hi, how you doing? Help me with that. What skills, what are you using to build trust and rapport? Eye contact. Eye contact, thank you. You make eye contact. What else? Use their name, thanks. Maury. What do you do? Find a common interest. What else? Handshake. No, not shake, handshake. All right. Let me make a couple of suggestions to you. Here's a couple other suggestions. It's your eye contact, yes. It's your body language. It's your handshake. It's your appearance. It's how your car sounds driving up and stopping. It's everything that goes along with it. It's your body language. It's your eye contact. It's your smile. It's your gestures. It's your dress, it's neatness of, of your, the length of your hair, the neatness of your... The problem is, is that sometimes we take those for granted and don't work on those. These are huge. My name means nothing to you, but I'm a junior, my son's a third, and that is huge. Using someone's name is huge. The problem is that we have a tendency to forget people's names. You can work on that. Buy a book, got the name, no. It's called the memory book. There's one chapter on name memory. That's all you need to do. What I want to do is put you in a quick little work group. This is what I'm about to do to you. I'm about to put you in groups of two, and if you're in three, that's okay. But I'd like you to get in groups of two to kind of turn to your neighbor in a minute. I would like you to do this. I'm going to give you two sets of instructions. The first instruction, have you turn to your neighbor, and I'm going to have you tell your neighbor what you did this past weekend. All right, then after we do that for 30, 40 seconds, we're going to stop, and then I'm going to have the neighbor tell you what they did two weekends ago, two weekends ago. Okay, ready? Turn to your buddies there. Ready? Everybody get a partner. Pick somebody going first. Here, we can do it right here. Here we go, right there. Ready? Go. I'm sorry, stop. I'm sorry, stop. Stop. I'm sorry. Turn. Don't, don't look at your neighbor. Turn toward me. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Number one question. What was your neighbor's body language? Don't look. Number two, what was their eye color? Did they have eyes? Don't look. And number three, how many of you, as you were listening to your partner talk about last week, and how many of you knowing that you had 30 or 40 seconds to think what you did two weeks ago, you're thinking, keep talking, where, keep talking. Two week, where was I two weeks ago? <laughs> how many of you would admit that you left the conversation? Okay, thank you. A couple of you did. Thank you. Let, let's debrief this very quickly now, guys and gals. Number one, why is it important for you to notice somebody's body language? Why is it important for you to know the body language? Not, most of the information conveyed is non-verbally. The body language is going to tell you whether they're receptive, how interested they are, whether they're bored, where are they, all right? Why is it important for you to notice somebody's eye color? It's not. But if, in fact, as Zig said earlier, the eyes are the windows of the soul, in American business now, we have another recording here on global and cultural business, but in American society, business society, I'm sorry, eye contact is huge. And if you don't have confidence in yourself nor your product, you may have fleeting eye contact. Well, it's not important that you know somebody's eye color, but it is important for you to self-check yourself at making sure that I'm going blue eyes, bloodshot. What happens is that I'm, I'm, I'm feeding myself back the fact that I'm making good eye contact. How long should eye contact be? Tough. It should be to the comfort level of the other person. If you're 
If you're facing former coach of the Chicago Bears and New Orleans Saints, Mike Ditka, his eye contact is going to be long. And if you're fleeting, you may not be building trust. This is the relationship stage. This is still stage two. We're relating to the guy or gal. And what happens if the eye contact of the other person is fleeting, you don't want to be staring back up when they look at you. If the, if the eye contact is fleeting, you want less extended eye contact because they're not comfortable making extended eye contact with you. So rule of thumb is eye contact one-on-one -on -one should be to the comfort level of the other person. Now let's talk about this last thing I asked. How many of you left the conversation? Guys, this is so easy. This is tough to do. In its simplest form, selling is a communication process. We tend to complicate the process. And the reason we do is that we don't do this very well. If we can't relate to them, how are we going to move through the sale? If we show up but we don't bring our brain, if we're thinking about what we've got to do at 4.30 and the report I've got to write for tomorrow, I can't be in what we call present time. Present time simply means the here and now. Staying in present time simply means bring your body and your mind, block out everything else. Assume the listener's position. The listener's position is leaning forward, nodding your head, smiling at the right times, asking clarifying questions, changing the facial expressions to tell the other person that you're communicating with them, that you're connecting with them. Questions, answers, comments on this? Because this is, this is tough. It seems easy, but all the things that we're doing, trying to formulate a question, um, 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 uh, oh yeah, all these things that happen to us on a sales call, it's pressure. The easier we do it in this stage, the other three stages are, become easier. The better we do it at this stage, the other stages become easier. Brian reminds us if we gain the trust of the prospect early in the sale process, then the whole process is much easier. So what do you do to make a customer feel at ease? What new idea did you hear today that you can begin to use? For more sales ideas, tips, and techniques, be sure to subscribe to our Ziegler newsletter by simply going to Ziegler.com. I'm Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Ziggler.